welcome to ChirpCast, encouragement with heart, humor, and a little sarcasm. If I had to put today's character that I'm going to talk about in a Marvel movie, I probably would have cast him as Ant-Man. He's definitely not the hero that stands out in a crowd. In fact, this guy is kind of the one you don't even notice. And I wonder if you can see a little bit of yourself in him as we go through the story. So we're going to start off in the book of Judges, and this was most likely written by the prophet Samuel. It doesn't say specifically, but it is definitely something that scholars kind of agree on. And it spans about 300 years. Now that is quite the historical book. So Judges, the name comes from the fact that God had allowed several different people to come and judge and rule over the Israelites. And he brought them up and he was trying to bring them to an understanding of what they should be doing. He was trying to constantly give them basically the benefit of the doubt. He was giving people the words to say to help lead them, to guide them in their everyday walk, in how they were to live. And you know what? These Israelite people, they drive me crazy. Probably because I'm a lot like them. Um, So the Israelites... Almost every single turn, (laughs) the Bible tells us that the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord. Now you might be wondering, why didn't he just wipe them off the face of the earth? Good question. I have also pondered that myself. But he let them make their choices. He let them choose which direction they wanted to go when they wanted to build idols and worship them and take on pagan worship. He said, you can, but there are going to be consequences. And... At this point in the history of the Israelites, judgment came in the form of foreign oppression. So the Israelites are at a point where basically they have been kind of surrounded, if you will, and they're living in this oppression and the Midianites are the ones that are around them. And the Bible tells us in Judges 6, Verse 2, because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. So these people of Midian had basically impoverished the Israelites. And the Israelites were having some really hard times right now. Like, they didn't understand why, which, you know, to us is like, hello. (laughs) You keep worshiping other gods. You keep trying to put other things in front of God, and you wonder why things aren't going well. Well, it was amazing because every time they cried out to God, God showed up, and he gave them mercy. And... I can totally see that in my life. Whenever I have moved forward in certain things when I knew I shouldn't have or gotten involved with certain things or certain people or certain situations, and I was like, wow, this was a horrible mistake, and why would I do this? And yet, God has shown mercy every time, and he'll do the same thing for you no matter what situation you're in. And so the Israelites, yet again, broke covenant with God, and they're in this really horrible situation where they're just kind of on the run. They're, they're just trying to make it day to day. Just one more day. Have you ever been there? 
You're just trying to make it just today. You can't even think past dinner because you don't want to think about tomorrow because you have no idea how you're going to make it or you have no idea what tomorrow holds. And so you're just like, one day at a time, that's all I can do right now. Well, that was the mindset of the Israelites. They were literally just trying to make it one day at a time. And so God reminds the Israelites constantly of what he's done for them in the past. He is always trying to show love and compassion and mercy to them. And he does this over and over and over again. And you'll see this in the book of Judges as you read the book. So I hope you're interested enough to want to pick it up and read it yourself, the whole thing. But I want to talk about Gideon and where he was when God called him. So first of all, obviously, they're all hiding out. Well, in verse 11 of chapter 6, it says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak that belonged to Joash, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. So he's hiding out, basically, in this wine press. And you might not know what a wine press is. I did not. I even had to look it up. I googled it. It's really interesting. It's like a hole in the ground that's pretty large and they would have to dump the grapes inside first and then they would kind of have to climb down into this hole and they would press or step on these grapes with their bare feet until the juice would run out and then they would eventually make wine with it. Well, this was not any sort of celebratory season for the Israelites, so they were not making wine. But he was hiding in there with wheat. So they had grown a little bit of food, and now they had to separate the wheat from the chaff. And it's basically like they would throw the wheat up in the air, and they would toss it, and the wind would catch the chaff and blow it away, and the wheat that they would cook with and make their food and bread out of would fall and then they would have to sweep it up and collect it. So he was doing this, but what he was doing basically was he was hiding because he couldn't do it out in the open. The actual threshing floor that you're supposed to be able to use whenever you're threshing wheat or separating it is a large open flat space. You're supposed to have lots of room and basically no boundaries for the wheat because you want as much wind as possible. So you can imagine how difficult it was for him doing this in a hole <laughs> in the ground. And so the angel of the Lord comes and sits down and kind of, you know, watching him. And the angel of the Lord says that it appear he appears to Gideon and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Uh, what? <laughs> like he's hiding in a hole in the ground trying to do a job in the wrong place with the wrong equipment. And the Lord says that he's a mighty warrior? Well, I love Gideon's reply because the Bible says in verse 13, pardon me, my Lord, but if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. A couple of things to note here. First of all, when an angel of the Lord just sort of appears out of nowhere and calls you a mighty warrior, maybe you shouldn't pick a fight with him. But that's exactly what Gideon was doing. He didn't even take the time to 
I don't know, like see what the message was and I don't know, just be friendly, how about? But no, first thing he says is, well, if the Lord's with us, why does all this happen? And as I think about that, you know, how many times have we asked God that question? God, you said you were going to be with me, but look at my circumstance. Look at this situation that I'm facing. You know, if you said you're going to be here, then be here. But the funny thing is, we expect God to be here the way we want him to be here. And God is like, uh, basically pump the brakes because I'm God, you're not. And he has patience with us, just like he has patience with Gideon. And it says in verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? And again, Gideon, (laughs) here he goes with the questions. And this is kind of funny because I'm totally a question asker. I'm like, what? Why? How come? When? How much is it going to cost? Do I need to pack a lunch? How long are we going to be in the car? How long are we going to be there? Do I need to take extra clothes? Should I bring deodorant? Like, I've got a million questions if you tell me go and do something. And so Gideon again says, pardon me, my Lord, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. Excuses, right? Like, Literally, God has just said, I'm with you and you are going to save Israel out of the hand of your oppressors. And he has questions. How can I? And not only does he have questions, he also has excuses. He says, my clan is the weakest and I'm the least in my family. He was like, you have got the wrong guy. You need to go find somebody else's wine press hole and talk to them because I am not the guy. But it's so interesting that God answers him and he says, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. And Gideon has this moment where he's like, okay, pause, take it in, and then ask more questions. (laughs) And so Gideon tells him, okay, I need proof. I need to have proof that you really are who you say you are. And this message is really what you say it is. And it's true. And it says, so this is Gideon's request. If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign. I mean, like, cause you know, appearing out of nowhere is not enough of a sign. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Okay, this speaks volumes to me because this shows God's patience. Patience, they say, is a virtue. I can be honest and tell you that it is something that I have had to cultivate hardcore in my life because naturally I am not a patient person. I'm right now, whatever it is that I want, I want it right now. If you tell me that we're going to do something, let's do it right now. I don't want to have to wait. I don't want to have to save. I don't want to have to plan and prepare. This is why my husband and I make a good team because he is the planner, the saver, and the preparer. (laughs) He is not the impulse buyer. But Gideon's like, okay, hold on. I just need to go do something really quick. I'm going to come back and I'm going to bring you an offering. So just hang on. Stay here. Okay. It wasn't like he ran and grabbed his wallet and pulled out 10 bucks and he was like, okay, here's my offering. You know, do with it as you please. No. Gideon actually had to go home and prepare a meal 
It says that in verse 19, Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat. He used flour and he made bread without yeast. And then he put its broth in a pot. He brought them out and offered them under the oak. Okay, so like he prepared a meal. It wasn't like he took a quick five minute break and then came back and said, here it is. No, he had to actually slaughter the animal, <laughs> prepare the bread, cook the bread, like, or bake the bread, I suppose. And then he brought it back. And God was so patient with him. And it says that then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of his staff that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, man, talk about needing like pyrotechnics to actually get his attention. He says, alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day, it stands. So, okay. I told you this book was crazy. Like, it's all over the place. There's so much going on. I'm actually going to do this in two parts because I think there's so much that I don't want to, like, run over and then you're, like, getting bored and you turn it off. So I really want you to hear the second half of this. But the fact that... God was so patient with Gideon when he called him. Gideon had excuses. He felt like they were valid. You know, he wasn't, I don't think, trying to be um, that fake humble. He was really like, you know, I, I can't do this. You seriously have the wrong dude. I, I'm not the one who, who should be saving the Israelites. I am literally in a hole right now hiding because I'm trying to make enough wheat harvest to be able to, you know, feed my family or, or my small clan that I have. He was willing after he got his, uh, prayer answered, I suppose, with the sign. Then he was like, okay, I have seen the Lord. <laughs> then he trusted, but God was so patient. So the first thing I want you to remember about in Judges, the Israelites were continuing to do evil in the sight of the Lord, and God let them make their choices. The next thing is, every time they cried out, God showed them mercy. The third thing, the Israelites continued to break covenant multiple times, and then God brings an unlikely hero forward. And he is going to use this man who was unqualified to do the job of a hero. I think that's so awesome that God wants to use us in amazing ways. And a lot of times we have excuses and we, some of them are valid. You know, some excuses, maybe, maybe they're excuses, but we feel like we have valid reasons as to why we shouldn't be doing something for God. I mean, how many times did Moses try to back out of his situation when God called him? How about Mary? you know, the mother of Jesus. How about Esther? These are all people who were just regular people that God called and he equipped to do his will. That's it. It was, it was a matter of obedience. And in Gideon's situation, did it take him a little bit longer to kind of get the point of what was going on? It sure did. But 
I got to raise my hand and say, sometimes I'm a slow learner too. Sometimes I have to make mistakes and I have to throw out my excuses and have my own little pity parties. And, and then God's like, are you done, Amy? Are you finished now? Are you ready? Are you ready to move forward and to do what I am calling you to do? Because it's not in your strength anyways, it's in mine. And I have to remember that, that it's all about the Lord's strength. And I like that it says Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and he called it, the Lord is peace. And the word would be shalom, peace. As we work this out with Gideon, I hope that next week you'll join me. And we will get the second half of this story because I'm telling you, it's a really cool story. And there are so many lessons that we can apply to our own lives as we listen to God's voice and we move forward in the calling that he has for us. Speaking of calling, one of the things that I feel that God has called me and equipped me to do is to write. I have three books out. I know it seems like... Maybe I just said I had one book, and now all of a sudden, ta-da, there's three. I've got Chased by Grace, which is real-life encouragement. I have Embraced by Grace, which is everyday encouragement. And I have Inconvenient Calling, which is talking about just being called by God and how that was really difficult for me when I was a teenager and my parents began pastoring in a small church in our town. And there's so many lessons, life lessons that God has showed me. One of the things that he always does for me, honestly, is object lessons because he knows that I'm still that five-year-old little girl sitting in Sunday school class amazed whenever the Kool-Aid is clear. Anyways, if you've ever seen that one, it's really awesome. But object lessons are kind of how God speaks to me. And if you would like to purchase any one of these books, I would love to have you do so because I want you to be encouraged. That's my whole point of writing. It's not so that I can get my name out there. It's just because I feel like God has blessed me in this way and gifted me in this way. And I want to bless and encourage you and inspire you to live the best life you can live for Jesus. So you can buy them all on Amazon if you search the titles. Or you can follow me on Instagram at ChirpCastAmy. And I would love to connect with you, hear from you, and just see what God has for us together every single day. I hope you have an awesome day. And don't forget, next week, second half, I'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.